0: If you join me in Bible study this morning, please open up your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy to chapter 5. We are in the midst of the Ten Commandments, just because that's where we happen to be in Deuteronomy. In the last week, we covered the first three commandments. Now we're up to the fourth. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So let's read verses 12 through 15 together. It says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you. What's it mean to observe the Sabbath day? It means to do it. Boy, there's a shock, isn't it? Do it. Keep it. Observe it. Teach your children about it. Keep it holy means keep it separated unto God. Set apart. Distinct from the other days of the week. As the Lord your God commanded you. Notice past tense. When did God set aside the Sabbath day? In the beginning, on the seventh day of creation. We'll look at that in just a minute. Verse 13 needs a little change in your Bible probably. It says six days you shall labor and do all your work. It's actually six days you may labor and do all your work. God doesn't command you to work six days as opposed to five. But he does say don't work seven Six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, not a seventh day, and that's a big difference in biblical Hebrew. A seventh day would be pick one. The seventh day is God already picked it. I had somebody recently in here say, just because the Jews pick Saturday as their Sabbath doesn't mean everybody has to pick Saturday as their Sabbath. My response is the Jews didn't pick it, God picked it. And set it aside in the very beginning. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Is it my Sabbath, your Sabbath? No, it's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle nor your stranger is within your gates. What does the word stranger there refer to? A Gentile, a non-Jew. But not just a Gentile and a non-Jew, but one who is turned from pagan idolatry to serve and worship the true and living God, like Ruth in the book of Ruth. So in verse 14, it tells us that the Sabbath day is for the children of Israel, whether they're born Jewish or whether they're not, and even the very animals within their possession. It goes on that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, what's therefore mean? Because God did this for you, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now let's look at some of the scriptures in both the Old Testament and the New Testament about the Sabbath day. The word Sabbath in the New King James Version appears 155 times. If God says something once, it's important. Twice, it's really important. A hundred and fifty-five times means he isn't kidding any. Ninety-six times it appears in the Old Testament. And fifty-nine times in the New Testament. I heard a preacher once say, if the Sabbath was important for the church, God would have at least mentioned it in the New Testament. It's in there fifty-nine times. You just have to read it. Let's go back and look at the beginning of the Sabbath. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. There have only been six days prior to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished, all of creation is done. The sun, moon, and stars are in the heavens. The angelic host is in the heavens. Mankind is upon the earth. Granted, we're very few in number at that point. All the animals, all the trees, all the flowers and fruits and vegetables, they've all been created. Creation is finished. And on the seventh day, that's the seventh day of creation, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested, that word rested is the word Shabbat, Sabbath. He Shabbat-ed. that's what the word Sabbath means, is rest. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, again, the very definite article, the seventh day, and sanctified it, what sanctified means. Set aside, made it holy, made it different from the rest of the days. Because in it he rested, there's the word Sabbath again, from all his work which God had created and made. But by translating it as rested, without a reference to the Sabbath, people didn't realize that God set aside the Sabbath day and made it special and holy on the seventh day of creation. But that's when it was. The next time we see the Sabbath is when? It's in the book of Exodus chapter 16. Which for those of you who are keeping score. Is four chapters before the Ten Commandments are given at Mount Sinai. At the time the Sabbath day was set aside on the seventh day. How many Jewish people were there in the world? None. Adam and Eve were Gentiles. How long would it be before there would be Jewish people? Oh, here's a trick question. The commandments, the Torah, the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God are in the first five books. When is the first time the word Jew used in the Bible? In the book of 2 Kings. After Samuel... Has anointed David, and David has finished his reign. He was followed by Solomon, who finished his reign. Then at the end of the reign of Solomon, the nation was divided into the northern ten kingdoms, and the two kingdoms and the southern two kingdoms, and the southern two kingdoms were called Judah, and that's when the word Jew was first introduced. It refers to one from the southern kingdom of Judah. Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 23. We're going to start in 22. We're going to be a little different. And so it was on the sixth day, that is the sixth day of the week, that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. If they had gathered twice as much manna on each day as they needed, what would have happened to it? It would have rotted and been full of worms. But not on the sixth day. On the sixth day, they were told to gather twice as much because there would be none on the seventh day therefore they would gather on the sixth day a double portion and it will last through the end of Shabbat when there would be more says and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses then he said to them this is what the Lord has said tomorrow is a Sabbath rest if today is the sixth day what day is tomorrow the seventh day I see I got some math majors okay Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil. And lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So if there's no manna on the seventh day, do the people go hungry? No, that's why God provides a double portion on the sixth day. Verse 27 says, now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather. But they found none. None. Why did they not listen to the commandment of the Lord? Because they did not have faith. And that's how Moses reacts in verse 28. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let man not, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. This is before the Ten Commandments are given at Mount Sinai. So turn to Exodus chapter 20 and just make a note. Oh yeah, that's what we just read. Then the next place we want to look at is in Exodus chapter 31. Because God does not want us to wonder why the Sabbath is so important.
1: Yes, ma'am. Let each one stay in his place, right? Right. question why we the the
0: There are three kinds of commandments in the scriptures. What's our question? Okay. Let's go back to Exodus chapter sixteen. Because not everybody can hear the question? In verse 29 it says see for the Lord has given you the sabbath therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days let every man remain in his place let no man go out of his place on the seventh day there are three kinds of commandments in the scripture there are positive commandments and then there are two kinds of negative commandments one is permanent one is temporary This was a temporary commandment for those right there in the desert as they were learning to follow the Lord. So, if you wonder whether this was meant to be a permanent commandment or not, you have only to look at the fact that Messiah and his disciples were doing what? Were walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath day and when they picked a handful of grain... How do you respond to someone? You say, in the Bible, there are three types of commandments. One type is positive, Two types are negative, And not all of the commandments are permanent. Some of them are temporary. And you can tell by the very Hebrew words used which commandments are permanent and which ones are temporary. For example, let's take Leviticus chapter 11, where it says, thou shalt not eat pigs. If God were to say, you must eat pigs, he would say, chlu, chalu." If he says, thou shalt not eat a pig, but that's a temporary prohibition because you don't have refrigerators, that would be all tochlu But the words used in Leviticus 11 are lo-tochlu, which means not now or ever. So by, you can't tell from the English. You've got to go back to the original Hebrew and you can tell whether a commandment is temporary or permanent. So, with a positive commandment, like in Exodus chapter 31, let's turn to Exodus 31, which is a positive commandment about the Sabbath, we will look and see how God indicates that it is forever. Exodus chapter 31, beginning in verse 12. And the Lord, see how the word Lord is spelled? There's the tetragrammaton, those four Hebrew letters, Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh, that is the name of the Lord from Mount Sinai. It's also the name of our Messiah, Yeshua. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, what does that word saying mean? It's a quote. What follows comes right out of the lips of God. Speak also to the children of Israel. The children of Israel is a broad term. It includes Jacob's physical descendants as well as that great mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with them. They are grafted into Israel just as Romans chapter 11 describes the Gentile believers being grafted into Israel. That's the ancient picture. So he's talking to both the Jews and the Gentiles that have come together at Mount Sinai. Saying, again a quote, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep. Positive commandment. With the positive commandment, you don't know if it's temporary or permanent. You've got to keep reading. For, that means because. Here's why the Sabbath is so important to God. For it is a sign. That Hebrew word is ot, O-T-H. A sign, like the wedding ring. A sign between me and you throughout your generations, which means Forever. <clears throat> that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So the Sabbath is like the wedding ring to, shows that, to show that we worship the true and living God and God alone. Just as my wedding ring indicates that I'm bound to my wife, Becca. Verse 14 says, You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. That therefore means because it's the sign, you shall keep it for it's holy to you. Holy means set apart unto God not to be profane, not to be treated like the other days of the week. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. And by everyone, he means Jew or Gentile. He's going to explain that in a few minutes. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done. Again, it's may be done. I don't like the fact that they use shall there. Work may be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Because it's a positive commandment, God needs to tell us whether it's temporary or permanent. Which did he say? It's permanent. It's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So in chapter 31 it explains why the Sabbath is so important to God. As we look at the rest of the references we're going to see what great importance he puts upon it. Go to Exodus chapter 35. Verses 1 through 3. Moses has come down from Mount Sinai the second time. And he lets them know that God's commandments did not change between the first trip and the second. If you remember, Moses broke those first tablets of stone when he saw the people with the golden calf that they were worshiping. That first set of tablets, God had cut out of the rock at the top of the mountain. The second set, Moses had to cut out and carry up the mountain. Then God wrote the commandments on it and he came back down. Verse 35, then Moses gathered all the congregation, the children of Israel together. And he said to them, these are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done, it may be done for six days. But the seventh day shall be a holy day for you. A Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. So this is where we find out the kindling of fire on Shabbat is absolutely forbidden. Then we go to Leviticus chapter 19 next. Leviticus chapter 19. Verse 3. But we're going to start in verse 1 so that we understand the context. The context is holiness. The scripture says without holiness what? No one will see the Lord. So this is important. Leviticus 19 verse 1. And the Lord, there's the tetragrammaton, spoke to Moses saying, means it's a quote. Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel. How broad is that? It can't be any broader. Every single person. And say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. So one of the first things he speaks to describe holiness is to keep the Sabbaths. And why does he say then, I'm the Lord your God? It's because I said so, yeah. Whenever a child says, why do I have to do that? And I say, because I said so, what do I mean? It means I'm the boss, shut up and do it, right? Yeah. That's God's way of saying, just shut up and do it. Then down to verse 30 in the same chapter, Leviticus 19, verse 30. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Another one of those, just do it. In Leviticus 23, we have the appointed times of the Lord, where the Lord has said he will personally dwell among us in physical bodily form in Messiah's first coming and in his second coming. It begins in verse 1 to say, and the Lord, there's the Tetragrammaton, spoke to Moses saying, so we know these words came from the lips of God. Why do I keep saying that? Because in Psalm 89:34, the Lord said, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Whenever you see, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, the words are coming out of the Lord's own lips. And in Matthew 4, 4, Messiah said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you know these did. And the scripture is theonuptos, God breathed in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 as we looked last night. Right. So verse 2 of Leviticus 23. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts. It's not feasts. Just scratch out. It's moedim. In Hebrew, which means the appointed times. Appointments like you would make an appointment to see a doctor. When you make an appointment, you keep it. God keeps his appointments. So the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, which are gatherings together to recognize and to rehearse that these are appointed times of the Lord, set apart to him to teach about Messiah's first and second comings. He ends verse two by saying, these are my appointed times. And verse three, six days shall work be done. Again, it's may be done but the seventh day is a sabbath of solemn rest a holy convocation which means you work six days the seventh day is the sabbath of rest as a holy convocation it pictures the coming messianic kingdom that there'll be six thousand years from creation until the day of the lord how long has it been since creation we're getting real close to six thousand aren't we But it says, You shall do no work on it. It's the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Again, it's not the Sabbath of Israel. It's not the Sabbath of the Jews. It's the Sabbath of the Lord. Let's go on to Leviticus chapter 26. I'm not touching on every time the Sabbath is mentioned. How many times did I see it's mentioned? 155, we'd never get out of here. We'd still be here when the Lord comes for us. So we're in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 2. You shall keep, that word keep means swamped, to observe, to guard, to make special, to treat as special. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. How many have been watching the news? You've got two conditions in this world right now. Absolute drought and absolute flood. And which is destroying the crops? Both. Western United States, the rivers have all dried up. The lakes have dried up. In Europe, the cars are floating down the streets. There's a great famine coming. Anybody know which horseman that is in Revelation chapter 6? It's the third one. The first is the false Messiah, second war, third is famine. As you see the famine approaching, you know the day of the Lord's coming. But I digress. In Leviticus 26, let's look at verses 34 to 35. Notice we're in the same chapter. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbath when you dwelt in it. God told us all the way back in Leviticus 26 that if you will not keep my Sabbaths, you're going to go into captivity. And the captivity is going to be timed by how many Sabbath years did you fail to keep? How long did Judah go into the Babylonian captivity for? 70 years. How many Sabbath years did they fail to keep? 70 years. Did God mean it when he said... You shall keep my Sabbaths. He meant it. And God tells him right here the penalty for not keeping the Sabbath year. Do you guys know what a Sabbath year is? No. No. Just like there are six days in a week, then the Sabbath day, there are six years and then a Sabbath year. So every seventh year is the Sabbath year. And that's when the Torah gets read at the Feast of Tabernacles. We're going to have to look at that in Deuteronomy shortly. More importantly than that, think about Daniel chapter 9. I know you're thinking about it, aren't you? Verse 24. It says there are 70 weeks. Do you realize the word is not weeks? The word week is Shavuot. The word there is Shavuim. It says seventy sevens. There are 70 Seven-year groups, which are six years and then the Sabbath year. 69 of those 70 weeks of years have been fulfilled. They were fulfilled 2,000 years ago when Messiah came the first time. Then there's a break, and we have one seven-year period left to go that we call the Day of the Lord. We call it the Tribulation period. We call it the time of Jacob's trouble. We call it Daniel's 70th week. But what year must it begin on? It must begin at the end of a Sabbath year. What does Israel tell you this year is right now that we're in? That's a Shemitah, a Sabbath year, the seventh year of a cycle. Just something to keep in mind. Staying also in Leviticus chapter 26, we have yet another reference to the Sabbath. Oh, by the way, do you realize that if you start in Genesis or in Exodus with the first Tav and go every 50th letter, it's going to say Torah, 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 all the way through Genesis, all the way through Exodus. And then there's Leviticus and there's Numbers and Deuteronomy. And in Numbers and Deuteronomy, they spell Torah, but they're backwards. So all four books point to the book of Leviticus. Because in Leviticus is chapter 23, which is the comings of Messiah. The first coming and the second coming. Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection was not an afterthought. It was from the beginning. So staying in Leviticus 26, go to verse 43. God still says, the land also shall be left empty by them, and will enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. They will accept their guilt because they despise my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. Again, talking about the judgments that will come if they fail to keep the Sabbath years. And that's why God refers to not my Sabbath, but my Sabbath, plural, because there's the Sabbath day and there's the Sabbath year. Let's go to Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15. In Numbers chapter 15, before we look at the specific verses about the Sabbath, I want you to see verses 15 and 16. So, Numbers chapter 15, look at verses 15 and 16, just as an introduction says, one ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you. The stranger is the Gentile who wants to learn about the God of Israel. An ordinance forever throughout your generations. So this is a positive commandment. God tells us it is forever. As you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. So if you are a Gentile believer who has been grafted into the cultivated olive tree, God says the same law, the same customs apply to you as to any of the rest of us. Now, in this chapter, we want to look specifically, it's starting at verse 32. Now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Was he supposed to be gathering sticks on the Sabbath day? No, he was not. But they don't know what to do. What should the punishment be? It says, and those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. They didn't know what the penalty should be. How serious is this? Then the Lord said to Moses, The man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So, as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Does it tell us whether he was a Jew or a Gentile? He does not, because it doesn't make any difference. How serious does God take the Sabbath day? Very serious. Yes, ma'am? I've been
1: with what I've been puzzling
0: over. That ties in with what you've been puzzling over? Exodus
1: thirty-five, verse three that you read. Exodus thirty-five, verse three. Don't kindle a fire. Sabbath day. Right. So how uh, the real nitty gritty of this. Real nitty gritty of this. The, the culture they lived in, what we live in now. The
0: culture they so lived in, what we live in we now. Are
1: not even supposed to use our ovens and, and turn the fire on, on on a Sabbath?
0: Are we not supposed to turn and light a fire in our, in our ovens on a Sabbath? The answer is no, we're not supposed to do that.
1: Is that the same as us having things plugged in and the electricity
0: here That's not the, be the same thing. We
1: keep plain as I can yeah. be it the says, the says do, do
0: not kindle system. a fire. Flipping yeah. a light switch a is light. not kindling a, a fire. One
1: a pilot light on a gas stove.
0: There yeah. is on some. So you're transferring light just
1: what you yeah. can do with the, right. light. Yeah. the candle light. I I there
0: is point point. on some but there's not an all. So the question is,
1: well Where do we make that break in? in
0: Do you kindle the fire or not?
1: Well, kindling a fire is different because I'm used to, you know, wood burners and and that sort of thing. That's work to do that. I mean, you have to bring in your different sizes of wood. You have your kindling that you actually use to start the fire, and then you have to. Yes,
0: I realize all that. Some gas stoves you must light. Others. There's already a pilot light lit, and you're just transferring okay, fire. We Stand- okay. we
1: got a standalone pilot system.
0: Okay. Then that is not kindling a fire. There are still a lot of gas stuff. You turn on the burner, then you strike a match, and you stick the match to the gas that's coming out to light the fire.
1: And I... You know, primitive fire start skills. <laughs> if you have a bow drill or flint and steel or something like that, to, you know, starting a fire, that is definitely work.
0: I understand that. Understand that. I understand that. So she wants to know. But,
1: and, and for real, yeah, you know, we do want to be, as, as, you know, we don't want to build fences around things, but we do want to observe righteousness and truth.
0: Absolutely. And that's why I'm trying to answer the question. Okay. If you must kindle a fire... Don't do it on Shabbat.
1: Essentially for us, it's like strike a match instead of the bow and the flint
0: thing. Yeah. We shouldn't do that. Okay. That's why we light a candle, right? That's why we light a candle before it gets dark in the winter months. Right? When you come in in the winter months, you'll see there will be a candle lit and burning. Because we don't want to strike a match after Shabbat begins. Okay. Sure. Anyway, yes? Is, um, so, if we have a, a
1: fire burning before the Sabbath starts, can we add fuel to the fire?
0: Yes. Heat? Okay, yes. So, that's
1: not the same as you killing. Know, just don't start the fire on the Sabbath.
0: Right. The point of the, the commandment is to be ready for the Sabbath, to look forward to it, be prepared, get things going, get the fire started before Shabbat begins. Don't wait and say, well, it doesn't matter. I'll do it later. There are people who say, you can't flip on a light switch. That's not kindling a fire. We sure hope when you flip on the light switch, it doesn't kindle a fire. Right? Okay. Back to numbers. Adding adding to the question that was
1: just posed.
0: Adding to the question that was just posed. We are not permitted to
1: gather firewood on
0: Correct. Okay. Correct. And the microwave question, and I don't mean it disrespectfully to
1: the Lord, but if I have paid my electric bill, is that uh, kindling
0: microwave? Paul, I will answer you as honestly as I can. There is not a single verse in scripture that talks about starting a microwave oven. So I must leave that to your own conscience. Things like that I have to leave to your own conscience. Becky and I, our policy is we do not cook on Shabbat. Okay. But I can't say that you have to follow what we believe we should do. I ponder it
1: frequently.
0: We're going down to uh, a lot more easier to prepare meals for Shabbat. So Good. Thank you for your input. Sure. Well, Becky and I do, we have a bowl of cold cereal for breakfast, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch, and have supper after Shabbat ends. So that's just what we do. Yes, ma'am. This is an
1: encouragement for the others, because this has been a real struggle for us. You know, so this has you know, been a real struggle for us. Two years ago. And Since two years ago. He has really helped us to.
0: And he's really helped us to. I try
1: to get all of my household stuff done between Sunday and Wednesday. Try to get
0: all your household stuff done between Sunday and Wednesday. And
1: Thursday is my pre-prep day where I'll decide if I want to do a crop pot or whatever. And I will get that going sometime on Thursday, preferably. And then Friday is just light little things that we might need to do. So okay. we make up sandwiches to eat ahead, or we prepare the crock pot, or we, we do whatever we can do, at least by Thursday. Yeah, you prepare ahead of time so that, because
0: you look forward to Shabbat coming.
1: But it was it took us almost two years to get to that point where we're really beginning to enjoy that rest on yeah. hard, hard Friday though, and all day Saturday. We really are enjoying the Sabbath. Good.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the scriptures. Or not. Go ahead. Uh, what occurs to me about Shabbat
1: that had not struck me before, the, the sort of foundational question of, uh, you know, it's God's Shabbat, not our Shabbat, right. therefore we're not uh, free to decide. I mean, you can choose to have a special day if you like, that's not the same as his Shabbat. And the thought just occurred to me today as you were talking, that the whole thing about the manna, if it doesn't appear
0: on Shabbat that has nothing to do with humankind that shows it's God's structure. Right. Could everybody hear? No, nobody can hear. Um, He just was thinking about while we were talking about the Shabbat here and going over the scriptures, that on Shabbat, God didn't provide the manna. It's God's Shabbat. God's trying to teach us and show us the right thing to do. It's not that it's our Shabbat. It's his Shabbat. I, he did a much better job of explaining it, but... Okay. So, another person says, we started the crock pot before Shabbat starts, but it remains on. Good. Yep. yep. The,
1: Lord
0: even, the Gospels, Lord even said in the Gospels, Sabbath was made for man, not, made for made for man not, not man, for the Sabbath. It's not meant to be a burden. It's meant for us to anticipate, to look forward to, to call it a delight. Right. And, and that was almost his way of saying, I am forgiven.
1: Yeah. I get to decide I said.
0: Exactly. You're exactly right. And that was the problem when the scribes and Pharisees come upon Messiah and the disciples and they're picking a handful of grain. There's nothing in the scripture that forbids you from picking a handful of grain when you're hungry, but it violated the Pharisees' rules. And who gets to decide? God decides. That's what the Lord is getting across. Yeah. Back to Numbers. Chapter, did we do 15? We did. So let's go to 28. Numbers 28. Numbers
1: 28,
0: <coughs> verses 9 to 10. And on the Sabbath day, two lambs in their first year, without blemish, and two tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering, mixed with oil, with his drink offering. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offering with its drink offering. What's my point? On Sabbath, the sacrifices and offerings at the temple were different. It's set apart. It's different from the other days. You have the Tamid, the daily offerings that go on every single day. But on the Sabbath, the sacrifice and offerings are different. To get across to us that this day is not like the others. Isn't the fire in the altar perpetual? Yes, and it was lit by God and never goes out. I'm not going to make up hypothetical what if it went out because it's not going to go out because God lit it and it stays lit. In Deuteronomy 5, that's where we are, verses 12 to 15. Next we go to Nehemiah. The significance of Nehemiah is is that Israel has gone into captivity for 70 years, the son of kingdom of Judah, because they didn't keep the Sabbath years. And in Nehemiah, they're coming back to the land out of captivity. And we want to see what did they learn from the captivity. Huh. Nehemiah comes right after Ezra. So Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, are we there? Let's start in verse 13. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them, which means you revealed to them your holy Sabbath, and commanded in precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. The significance to verse 14. It's not that you gave them your Sabbath. It's that you revealed it to them, made it known to them. Because the Sabbath was set aside on the seventh day of creation. And the people in the wilderness weren't there on the seventh day of creation. So God tells them what happened way back at the beginning and why keeping the Sabbath is so important to God. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Again, we're not going over every reference to the Sabbath, just the ones that I think are really important. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 13. And we'll begin in verse 12 to give us a running start. When you come to appear before me, that is when you come up to the temple, mount to the temple. Who has required this from your hands to trample my courts? Who commanded them to come up? The Lord did. But he says, bring no more futile sacrifices. What does the word futile mean? Worthless, Worthless empty, of no value incense is an abomination to me the new moons the sabbaths and the calling of assemblies i cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting and there's the bottom line as they come up to worship the lord they sacrifice their children to moloch and then come up to the temple mount and sacrifice a lamb to god and think they're okay in god's sight the word iniquity means lawlessness they will not follow God's commandments, statutes, and judgments. But they still want to bring him a lamb to make sure he'll bless them. And they'll be okay. And they'll come into eternal life. And he's saying, you're wrong. It says, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They're a trouble to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. For your hands are full of blood. So God says, you cannot walk in sin and think you're okay in my presence because you brought me a lamb. That would be salvation by works, wouldn't it? That's never worked. So what does he say? What's the solution? Begins in verse 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Which means repent. Turn back to God be baptized. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So God says, I take no pleasure in even keeping my Sabbath if you do it while walking in lawlessness, while walking in sin. What does keeping the Sabbath, what's it supposed to mean? That we worship the true and living God. If we truly have faith in God, can we walk in lawlessness? Can we walk in sin? Answer is no. Look at Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Look at 1 John 3, verses 10. Ephesians 4, 17. There's so many verses that tell us, if you're walking in sin, do not think that you're in right standing before God go to Isaiah 56 Isaiah 56 tells us that if you want to be a part of the messianic kingdom you will keep Shabbat if you don't you're not headed toward the kingdom Isaiah 56 Isaiah 56 you've seen these scriptures before but you'll see them again in about three seconds. Isaiah 56, we'll read verses 1 and 2 and then go over to verse 6. Verses 1 and 2 says, Thus says the Lord. Who said it? The Lord. The Lord. Did Isaiah make it up? No. no, the Lord said it. Keep justice. What does that word keep mean? To guard, to protect, to treat as valuable. Keep justice and do righteousness. The opposite of righteousness is lawlessness. So God says, put aside your lawlessness. Repent. Turn from it. For my Yeshua is about to come. That's what the word salvation means. That's Yeshua. For my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. This is why John the Baptist was preaching what in Matthew 3? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Messiah preach in Matthew? No, let's go with Luke chapter 4. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 2 says, Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold on it. English lets us down here a little. The word man there is not the same in those two clauses. Blessed is the man, that's Enosh, which generally is saved to refer to the Jewish people. The second son of man, that man is Adam, which means anyone who descends from Adam. Who in here descends from Adam? We all do. That's the point here. Everybody, Jew and Gentile, makes no difference. Who keeps from what? Defiling. Defiling the Sabbath. And keeps his hand from doing any evil. So any evil refers to all of the commandments as a whole. But God separates the Sabbath special. Because that's the wedding ring. That's the sign That you belong to the true and living God. In verse 6. Also the sons of the foreigner. That word there foreigner is nakar. Spell it N-A-K-A-R or any other way you like. It's the non-Jewish people. Who join themselves to the Lord to serve him. That's like Ruth did. When she said to Naomi where you go I go. I'll worship no God but yours. Where you die I die. And to love the name of the Lord. To be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath. And holds fast my covenant. My covenant refers to all of the commandments. But he separates my Sabbath in particular. Even them I'll bring to my holy mountain. What's a mountain in prophecy? A kingdom. So all those from the nations. Who keep from defiling the Sabbath. And holds fast the new covenant. God will bring to the messianic kingdom and make them joyful in my house of prayer that's the temple in which Messiah will reside their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations what did Israel declare recently when they said that the high-speed rail from ben International to the third temple is almost finished will be finished by Passover this coming spring because that's to bring pilgrims from where? All the nations of the world. Because the rebuilt temple, the third temple, they say will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Go to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah 66 is about the return of the Lord, the establishment of the Messianic kingdom in eternity future. In Isaiah 66, starting at verse 22, we read the following words. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain, that is, Israel will remain forever. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. So who is going to come to worship the Lord on the Sabbath day for eternity future? All flesh. Everybody. Everybody. What if you don't want to keep Shabbat? You don't have to. So you're gonna. Yes, it says in, I, in Zechariah 14, 16, if you will not come up and worship the Lord, you get no rain, which means you're coming. Because otherwise you starve. Jeremiah 17 is one of the most profound set of scriptures on how important the Sabbath is to God. Jeremiah 17. If you don't like Shabbat, you wouldn't enjoy the kingdom anyway. Jeremiah 17, beginning in verse 19. And we'll finish the chapter. Thus the Lord said to me, that is to Jeremiah, Go and stand in the gate to the children of the people, by which the kings of Judah come in, and by which they go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem. Why is he speaking just to Judah? Why not to the northern kingdom of Israel? Because it's gone. They were totally destroyed and dispersed throughout the world. Have they returned yet? No, they're still dispersed. And say to them, hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord. Take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, nor carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work but hallow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they did not obey nor incline their ear, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. And it shall be, if you heed me carefully, says the Lord, to bring no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day, to do no work in it. Then shall enter the gates of this city kings and princes, sitting on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their princes, accompanied by the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever." with all the idolatry all the sins all the children being sacrificed to Mulloch, what did god choose as the red line if you will do just this the city of jerusalem will never ever be destroyed what was it the sabbath the sabbath why because the sabbath indicates that we worship the true and living god and if you're keeping the sabbath regularly Pretty soon, the rest of the sins will start to convict really badly. Yes, ma'am? What is a burden? Work, carrying a load. Just
1: anything?
0: Yeah, carrying a load of stuff. Generally, to market. Yeah, we rarely we just pick up a dumbbell and carry it on Shabbat just for fun. Well, but some people do. But.
1: Well, from my background, I feel very, very like carrying anything is not allowed. Yeah. So that's not perfect. It's
0: aimed at commerce, if you notice. What's happening is they're bringing the goods in on Shabbat to buy and sell. Treating it like any other day of the week. But God says what? If they will keep the Sabbath the city of Jerusalem would never be destroyed. It would have still stood for the last 3,000 years unmolested. But it goes on in verse 26. And they shall come from the cities of Judah and from the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin and from the lowland, from the mountains and from the south, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and incense, bringing sacrifices of praise to the house of the Lord but if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, such as, it's just an example, not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. So, which do the children of Israel choose to do? Continue in their sin? into captivity Jerusalem was destroyed it was rebuilt after the end of the Babylonian captivity and did the children of Israel continue to honor the Sabbath like they should no they still broke it and what they went into captivity in 70 AD 70 common era and they're just now coming back when will we ever learn then to Ezekiel chapter 20. What you're going to notice is prophet after prophet calls the people to repent and to keep Shabbat. It's that important to God. Ezekiel chapter 20 verses 12 to 24. 12 to 24. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. That sounds a lot like Exodus 31, doesn't it? Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them, And they greatly defiled my sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. But I acted for my name's sake, that that it should not be profaned before the gentiles in whose sight I had brought them out. So I also raised my hand in an oath to them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey the glory of all lands because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my statutes but profaned my Sabbath what's the first charge he brings but defiled my Sabbath for their heart went after their idols why did they profane the Sabbath because they chose to pursue the idols With the idols came the temple prostitutes and sexual immorality. And that was more preferable to them than to worship the true and living God. Nevertheless, my eyes spared them from destruction. I did not make an end of them in the wilderness. But I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statues, keep my judgments, and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Why, at the Council of Laodicea in Canon 29, Did the Catholic Church forbid the keeping of Sabbath and mandate Sunday instead? Because it separates us from God. Notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes and were not careful to observe my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. But they profaned my Sabbaths. Again, what charge does he go to first? The Sabbath. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand, which means he didn't totally destroy us like he could have, and acted for my name's sake that it should not be profaned in the sight of the Gentiles, in whose sight I had brought them out. Also, I raised my hand in an oath to those in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the Gentiles and disperse them throughout the countries, because... They had not executed my judgments, but had despised my statutes, profaned my Sabbaths, and their eyes were fixed on their father's idols. Mm. Ezekiel 22, verse 8. Ezekiel 22, verse 8. Let's look just at verse one to see the context of verse eight. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, now son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Yes, show her all her abominations. Verse eight. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. That's okay. She's allowed to comment too. In the same chapter, Ezekiel 22, let's look at verse 26. Her priests have violated my Torah, my law, and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths. So that I am profaned among them. They have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath, so that I am profaned among them. If the Sabbath is the sign that we worship the true and living God, what happens when you hide your eyes from the Sabbath? You make his name profane, which means no longer important, no longer hallowed. In the same chapter, verse 38 there isn't a 38 it's a 30 something let me see we're just going to leave that one be because I can't even read what I wrote go to Ezekiel 44 I want you to notice before you turn from 22 keep a finger on verse 26 in Ezekiel 44, Messiah has returned for the Messianic kingdom. And you're going to see that the priesthood who violated the Lord's ways have now come full circle. In Ezekiel 22, verse 26, it says, Her priests have violated my law, my Torah and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. Now look at chapter 44, verse 23. With Messiah on the throne, in the kingdom, yet future. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. You see the 180 degree change. In verse 26 of Ezekiel 22, it said, And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths. In Ezekiel 44, verse 24, with Messiah on the throne, it says, In controversy they shall stand as judges, and judge it according to my judgments. They shall keep my laws and my statutes and all my appointed meetings, and they shall hallow my Sabbaths. So that sinful priesthood that turned their eyes away from God and allowed the people and led them into violations of the Sabbath will now teach people to hallow the Sabbath when Messiah returns and establishes the Messianic kingdom, which is getting to be very near to here, isn't it? Then Ezekiel chapter 45, verse 17 I know I'm still in the Old Testament, but we'll get to the New Testament eventually. Because the story is the same. In Ezekiel chapter 45, verse 17. Then the prince, that's not Messiah, that's the Nasi, the leader of the Sanhedrin in the kingdom. The prince's part to give burnt offerings, grain offerings, and drink offerings at the feasts, the new moons, the Sabbaths, and all the appointed seasons of the house of Israel. So will they be keeping the Sabbath in the Messianic kingdom? Yes, they will. Ezekiel chapter 46 verses 1 through 4. Thus says the Lord God, is actually my Lord, the Lord. If you look at the Hebrew. The gateway of the inner court that faces toward the east shall be shut the six working days. But on the Sabbath day it shall be opened. And on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. If it's closed six days of the week, why would they open it on the Sabbath day? To make it different. Make it unique. Set apart. Verse 2, the prince, again, that's not Messiah, that's the Nasi, the leader of the Sanhedrin. We would call him the high priest. Shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gateway from the outside and stand by the gatepost. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the entrance to this gateway before the Lord on the Sabbaths and the new moons. The burnt offering that the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. By the way, let me digress for a moment and take that Ibex trail. The reason I keep pointing out that the prince here is the Nasi. And not Messiah, is the anti missionaries have led lots of new believing Jews away from their messianic faith by pointing out the prince in this portion of Ezekiel and saying, see, he's just a man. He's not the Lord, he's not God incarnate. That's because it's not talking about the Messiah, it's talking about the high priest. What is Messiah during the kingdom? He's the king. He's not the prince. But because they mislead people into thinking, gee, look at that, the prince. In Isaiah 9, he's called the prince of peace, so this must be the Messiah. Messiah is just a flesh and blood human being. Unfortunately, they they get away with that too much. Hosea chapter 2. What does the word Hosea mean? Salvation. Salvation. See, you're learning a lot of Hebrew, whether you like it or not. Hosea chapter 2, verse
1: 11.
0: Hosea is preaching to a sinful people. Verse 11, it says, I will cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her appointed feasts. He's talking about when he sends them into captivity. The feast days, the new moons, the Sabbaths, and the appointed feasts are supposed to be for what? Joy. It says her mirth. What does the word mirth mean? Happiness. Joy. All those kind of things. They were given to be a joy, a pleasure. In Isaiah 58 it says, If you'll call my Sabbath a what? A delight. An oneg. It's not a burden. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot to take it, Isaiah 58. So let's turn back to Isaiah 58. I can't have your notes be incomplete. Isaiah 58. Verse 13, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, and the word pleasure there refers to things designed to increase your wealth, on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I'll cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. When we start Shabbat on Friday night, we always start with the oneg. And now you know what oneg means. It means delight. Next to Amos chapter 8. Amos Chapter Eight Verse Five Mm. Amos Chapter Eight Verse Five Mm. Should we start in four? Good idea. Let's start in four. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail, saying, When will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may trade wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the scales by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver, And the needy for a pair of sandals. Even sell the bad wheat. Is God talking to the righteous good people? No. The evil people. They're not selling on Shabbat. Because it's not permitted. But they can't wait for Shabbat to be over. So they can sell. They're not enjoying the Sabbath. It's not a pleasure to them. It's an inconvenience. Look what I could be selling. Look at the money I could be making. What do you know about that attitude? It's wrong. Before we go to the New Testament, I want to add two subtopics. First, our high Sabbaths. Go to Leviticus chapter 16. High Sabbaths are Sabbath days that don't fall on Saturday necessarily. There are appointed times of the Lord where the Lord says, Thou shalt not do any work. Leviticus sixteen is about the day of atonement. And it says in verse 31 It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. Those are positive commandments, so it says, It is a statute forever. That's how we know the positive commandment is forever. So this one is specifically about the day of atonement. But if you go to Leviticus chapter 23, there are seven high Sabbaths. Just as there are seven appointed times and they're not exactly the same. In Leviticus chapter 23, you find all seven, though, of the high Sabbaths. The first you see is starting in verse 15. On the 14th day of the first month at, it says twilight, but it means 3 p.m. The Hebrew is bain ha-aravim. is the Lord's Passover. That's not a high Sabbath, but when the sun goes down, Then it is. Verse 6. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day, so the first day of unleavened bread, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. That makes it a high Sabbath. It doesn't matter that it's not Saturday, the seventh day of the week. It's a high Sabbath. Verse 8. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is also a high Sabbath. Um, The next one is Shavuot. looking for the exact verse. Of course, I have to turn the page. Verse 21. The feast of weeks, Shavuot, it's also called Pentecost because of Acts chapter 2. You shall proclaim on the same day that is a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work on it, which makes it a high Sabbath. It shall be a statue forever. In all your dwellings throughout the generations. The next one is the Feast of Trumpets, which is Monday, starting in verse 23. Then the Lord God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest. So there's the high Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. The next one is the day of atonement, like we read about in Leviticus chapter 16. That begins in verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offering offer made by fire to the Lord you shall do no work on that same day. That makes it a high Sabbath. For it's the day of atonement to make atonement for you before your God. Verse 31 tells us it's a statue forever. And then the last one is at the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 33 says, On the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So it's a high Sabbath. And it says in verse 36, For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly. You shall do no customary work on it. That's the one that blows my mind. The eighth day of the seven-day festival is the high Sabbath. And those are the high sabbaths. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep. The day that Messiah was crucified was Passover, the 14th day of the first month in the biblical calendar, which was a Thursday. So at sundown became the first day of unleavened bread, which is a high sabbath. The next day was Saturday, which was the weekly Sabbath. So you've got two Sabbath days in a row, the high Sabbath and the weekly Sabbath. And that's why in the Gospels it says they came to the tomb after the Sabbath, plural. Because you've got the high Sabbath of unleavened bread and the weekly Sabbath back to back. Then they come on the first day of the week. How do we know that Messiah was crucified on Thursday and not on Friday? You have to go to the book of John, chapter 19. The church did not understand this. In verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, which was Passover the 14th, that's the day they killed the lambs. That's the day Messiah dies. Says the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, so the church said, aha, he must have died on Friday. The next day is the Sabbath. But look at the parenthetical. For that Sabbath was a high day, not the weekly Sabbath, but the high Sabbath of unleavened bread. And the other thing we need to look at, we talked about Sabbath years and the fact that Israel, or Judah in particular, went into the Babylonian captivity for 70 years because they failed to keep the 70 Sabbath years. I didn't give you a Bible reference for that. Go to Leviticus chapter 25. That's where it tells us about the Sabbath years. Leviticus 25. And of course, in Second Chronicles, as well as other books, it tells us it was because they violated the Sabbath. The Sabbath years. Leviticus 25, verses 1 to 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, so these words come from the lips of God, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, In six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit, but in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the land. And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you. For you, your male and female servants, your hired man, and the stranger who dwells with you. For your livestock and the beasts that are in your land, all its produce shall be for food. You shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself. Seven times seven years. And the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty-nine years. In case you wonder whether God's good at math. He knows that seven times seven is forty-nine. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. You shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. You shall consecrate the fiftieth year. and shall proclaim liberty throughout all the land to its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession and each of you shall return to his family. Israel says this year that's just ending is the Shemitah, the seventh year, the Sabbath year. We'll know soon whether they are correct or not. But now let's follow the Sabbath into the New Testament. Go to the book of Matthew. First one I want you to add is Matthew 4.4. 4. Because what color are the words in Matthew 4.4 after you get past the black ones? They're red. Messiah spoke these words. Can they be false? Nope. No. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many times do we just look at, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, So all these commandments are from the Lord's own lips. Let's go to Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. At that time, you're not there yet. Let me give you a minute. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Yeshua went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Why is he going through the grain fields on the Sabbath? He's heading for the synagogue. He's taking a shortcut to the synagogue. And his disciples were hungry. Is there a commandment that says, Thou shalt not eat on the Sabbath? No, there is not. And they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. That does not break any commandment of God, but it breaks the rabbinic rules of the Pharisees. Because they say when you pluck the head of grain, you're what? Harvesting. Harvesting. And you can't eat the grain. You have to rub it in your hands to get the husk off. Oh, that's threshing. So, no, it's not. But that's how they define things. So when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But they mean not lawful according to our man-made rules and regulations. Not according to God's commandments. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat nor for those who are with them, but only for the priests. Whose commandment said David can't eat the showbread? That was the Lord's commandment, and the Pharisees have no problem with what David did because he broke God's commandment, not theirs. It's written in the Talmud. They say, we don't care what God said. He gave us the Torah. Now he's got nothing more to say about it. It's ours. So they're worried about They're not following us. They're not bowing at our feet. Verse 5. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Do the priests work in the temple on the Sabbath? Yes, they work. So why is that okay? Because God commanded them to. So they're doing what God commanded Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. Who's he referring to? Himself. Himself. Does he know whether it's lawful to pick grain on the Sabbath and put it in your mouth? Yes, he does. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. By calling the disciples guiltless for what they did, what's he saying? They didn't break any commandment of God. They didn't do anything wrong. They only insulted the scribes and the Pharisees, which, well, he does that on a regular basis. Says, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. he's He's telling them, the scribes and Pharisees, that they're going to the lake of fire. They condemn the disciples, yes, because they're not following their rules. So they decide who's going to heaven and hell based upon whether they follow their rules or not. Wrong standard. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Let's go on to Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 12. Boy, that's like the mirror next section. Here it is. And when he departed from there, he went into their synagogue. See, that's how we know he was on the way to the synagogue. Because that's where he goes. Why does he go to the synagogue on the Sabbath? Because that's his custom to set an example, yeah. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. That wouldn't have bothered the scribes and Pharisees at all, because that sheep has worth something. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. They said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. The, Pharise- the scribes and Pharisees should have been impressed. They should have said, wow, this is a great miracle from God. But instead, verse 14, the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Matthew chapter 24. It's interesting to read commentaries about? Read commentaries about, about these particular things. About these particular things, because the commentaries say what? The commentary say, look, Jesus broke Sabbath. If Jesus can break Sabbath, so can we. But he did not break the Sabbath of wit. He's showing them that which is lawful to do. Is it lawful to do good or evil? To do good. You're right. Matthew chapter 24 should have told the church that in the 4th century when the Catholic Church forbid the keeping of Sabbath because it was done away with, that that's not so. Because in Matthew 24 verse 20. Messiah refers to the day of the Lord. Which is yet future to you and I. And he refers to the Sabbath. Still being in effect. In the day of the Lord. Matthew 24 verse 20. When he says and pray that your flight be not in winter. Or on the Sabbath. So, according to Messiah, Sabbath was never going to end. But we know from Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, that Satan wants it to end in the worst way. Our next reference is in Matthew 28, verse 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. Messiah was crucified. In Matthew 27, verse 46, he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he is God. He can't forsake himself. But that's Psalm 22, verse 1. When a rabbi sends out a verse, the disciples are supposed to think about the context. And what does Psalm 22 say? They pierced my hands and my feet. David had said Messiah would die by crucifixion a thousand years before Messiah was born. What's more impressive is crucifixion had not yet been invented as a form of execution. Do you have a question or a comment? No? Nope? Okay. Chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, you see that? The Greek is plural. Now after the Sabbaths. They left off the S when they translated it to English because they had no idea how that could possibly be. But it's Sabbath plural because he died on Passover. Six hours later began the high Sabbath. And the next day after the high Sabbath was the weekly Sabbath. And that's why the women did not come back to the tomb until the third day. And what did they find when they came to the tomb on the third day? He was gone. He was gone. Luke chapter 4. I said Messiah's custom is go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I didn't make it up. It's right here in Luke chapter 4. Verse 16. Because the Bible repeatedly says to imitate the Messiah. That's First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, etc. I'd like to know what was Messiah's custom, what did he do? And in Luke 4 16 it tells us what his custom was. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. How could he just go into the synagogue and say, hey, it's my turn. I'll take it from here. He's a rabbi. And whenever a rabbi would come into the synagogue, they were offered to come up and read and teach. Still the custom today. So what was Messiah's custom? He went to the synagogue on Shabbat. Go to Acts chapter 1. Time's growing short, isn't it? Oh, in more ways than one. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Messiah has been crucified, buried, and resurrected. Yes. Somebody say yes. And he's ascended into heaven. And we read in verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem a sabbath day's journey had they forgotten about the sabbath day after messiah was crucified and resurrected the answer is no they had not acts chapter 13 i love acts chapter 13 they have mistranslated some of the words in acts chapter 13 Hoping we won't see its full meaning, I think. I wasn't there. But Acts chapter 13. Let's look first at verse 14. Acts 13, 14. When they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Who's the they? Paul, Barnabas, etc. What did Paul do when he got to the new city? Went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. After reading the Law and the Prophets, then he gets up and teaches. But in the same chapter, let's go to verse 42 to 44. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue... The Gentiles beg that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Yes, ma'am. So sorry. Acts chapter 13 verse 42. You guys know I get excited. Slow me down. Acts chapter 13 verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation, eh, it's still the word synagogue, just like it was in verse 42. But because it now is clear that it includes Jews and Gentiles, they changed the word, hoping we wouldn't notice. But now when the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes, what's a proselyte? A Gentile convert followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. That is, Jews and Gentiles alike came together on Shabbat to hear the word of God. Then we have Acts chapter 15. What's that? We have it. You're caught up now? Okay. Moving along from Acts 13 to Acts 15. We'll do verses 19 to 21. The issue in Acts chapter 15 is not should Gentiles, after they get saved, keep the commandments? That's not the question. The question is must a Gentile be circumcised to be saved? And the answer in Acts 15 is no, salvation is by faith, not by works. So in verse 19 it says, Therefore I judge, the I is James, the half-brother of Messiah, that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood, for, which means because, Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath so if the Gentiles who are in the process of turning to God will avoid the four things in verse 20 they can come into the synagogue as they read the law and the prophets and learn the commandments of God so it's not as I heard growing up These are the four things Gentiles have to do to be saved. No. They're the four things Gentiles must turn away from in order to be accepted into the synagogue to be able to learn the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. Paul has come to a city that doesn't have a synagogue. It says, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. In other words, since the people didn't have a synagogue, they had chosen a place to meet by the riverside, and that's where they would hold their synagogue services on Shabbat. So there's nothing magical about the building. The synagogue is the gathering together of the people to worship together, to study together, to learn together. Acts chapter 17 verse 2 tells us what Paul's custom was. Luke 4 told us what Messiah's custom was. But what was Paul's custom? Acts chapter 17. We'll start in verse 1 and go to 2. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. See, that have to by the river, they have a synagogue. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul's custom was go to the synagogue on Shabbat and help them understand the scriptures That they've known all their lies, but they just didn't see the deeper meaning. Acts chapter 18. Verse 4, referring to the Apostle Paul. And he, Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So where were the Gentiles meeting? In the synagogue. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 2 and see the verses people used to say, yeah, yeah, Wayne, but the Sabbath has been abolished. doesn't apply anymore. It's right there in Colossians. No, it isn't. Colossians chapter 2. Every time I've heard this preached to say that these commandments have been abolished, They start with the second word of the sentence, with let. The first word is so. Does the word so mean we have changed topics and we have a new topic? No. It continues the discussion in 15, having disarmed principalities and powers. Is that defeating God? No, that's Satan and his allies. So, verse 16, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Messiah. They say, see, we're not supposed to do these, but it's just the opposite. Let no one judge you for doing them. We know that when we keep reading. Verse 18 says, let no one cheat you of your reward. These things of Messiah have great reward. Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, that's not biblical studies. That's Gnosticism, that were defeated by Messiah's crucifixion. Intruding into those things which he's not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, mind, gnosis, Gnosticism. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Messiah from the basic principles of the world, that's not God's commandments. Those are the ascetic Gnostic principles. Why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. So why would you let them take away from you these things commanded by God and take you back to a system of Gnosticism based upon the rules and regulations and commandments of men? So it's not don't do them, it's don't let them take these from you. And then let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Given the time, I've got to do the short version. But we will finish the fourth commandment today. In Hebrews chapter 3, Paul explains that the children of Israel in the wilderness did not get to enter the promised Sabbath rest of God. Why? Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What caused them not to obey? A lack of faith. So chapter 4 of Hebrews. Let's go down to verse 4. For he has God has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place they shall not enter my rest, those who failed to be obedient because of lack of faith. Verse 6 Since therefore remains that some must enter it, and those whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then they would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. That word rest in Greek is sabbatismos. Sabbatismos. It means a sabbath rest. So the Apostle Paul says for those who have been saved by faith there is a Sabbath rest that's coming and that is the millennial kingdom which is what Shabbat has taught from the very beginning. And with that I see I've run out of time. We will pick up next week if we're still here on this earth in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 13.